coming up in this episode. I think in COVID, some businesses were lucky and did really, really well. And actually it's when everyone's like, oh, the markets, and I know I said it earlier, but like, oh, the market was tough for recruitment last year. Like that is just life. And I think people that are like, oh, I didn't hit my target because the market was really tough. That's not an excuse. Like it is tough for everyone, but like people are doing it. So yeah. what are you doing to make that happen? You do have to take it with a pinch of salt on LinkedIn. Like it's not all that perfect. And no. it. I think sometimes like LinkedIn is being seen of, oh my gosh, your life is perfect. You were able to do that before work. Like how do you get up that early? You've won so much business that people do only shout about the good things. And I think it's really important to remember that like it, it is maybe, hard out Maybe there. you should break that stigma. Maybe I want to see the next one. <laughs> Let me solve big, big sweaty mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>Hi Tara, welcome to The Corner. Thanks for joining us. Amazing, thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. So for those that don't know, you specialise in placing salespeople specifically within the SaaS industry, which is obviously us as well. So can you talk to us a little bit about the company you're currently working for, um, what kind of applicants you're kind of representing and the clients you're, clients you're working for to, to place those people as well? Absolutely. So Venetrix is a specialist recruitment organization where we focus on helping SaaS businesses to build their go-to-market teams. So anywhere from SDRs to sales leaders. Mm -hmm. We're female founded. So our amazing CEO and founder, Elaine Tyler, founded the business eight years ago with investment from James Kahn from Dragon's Den. So Sorry. super exciting yeah, name yeah. for us. In terms of my job within Venetrix, so I'm an account executive where I specialize in finding SaaS businesses that Venetrix are then going to support through their growth. So we work with companies that are anywhere from pre-seed mm -hmm. to series C, but we have always we have also got companies that have gone right the way through to IPO Great. where we're still running SDR recruitment campaigns for them. Right, okay. So there's a various different sizes of teams that you're working with and stuff as well. Yeah, so we do founding member SDR. Mm -hmm. So uh, someone that is going in first SDR on the ground to mm. scale that team to also people that are joining SDR teams of 100 people. Great. You've been there a while, but you did you did break away from Benetrix for a bit, didn't you? And and, and went to the dark side. Went to the dark side <laughs> of SAS, did I? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I graduated from university, um, mm -hmm. didn't know what I wanted to do. I had done a marketing placement at a cybersecurity company where I'd sat directly with my back to the sales team and they mm. were the ones that were making commission, buying new cars, going on the incentive trips, going like just doing all the cool things. And I was mm. like, that's what, not the marketing wasn't cool, but I was like, that's what. <laughs> you just said, this is not fair. <laughs> I was like, that's the side that I want to be on. Yeah. So realized, definitely wanted to work in sales and went to an assessment day that Venetrix were hosting to be an SDR. I then got asked at the end if I'd consider recruitment. So I said yes and felt really inspired and ended up joining the team at Benetrix. So you, you initially started talking to them about them potentially placing you somewhere. Yes. So that's why I went to the assessment day. Right. And then at the end of that, the CEO sat me down and said, wants to talk to you about an opportunity. And mm. she started giving me all these facts. And she was like, do you know what company it was? It is. I was like, no, I've got no idea. And she was like, it's Benetrix. Um, then I went through the interview process, mm -hmm. got the job and started at Benetrix. I think I got to a point where I was like, what is the next step for me here? Yeah, and yeah. When you work in a small startup business, there's not always that exactly laid out progression path for you. And mm. I've been lucky enough that based on my skill set, I've been able to move into different jobs mm. within the business. But I got to that point where I was like, is the grass greener? Do I want to make that move? So you've tried on a few hats then as well, yes. haven't you? So, so I was like, do I want to be a manager? Do I see what do I want to do? And I was like, no, I'm going to go be an AE in a SaaS company. So was lucky enough to join one up as an AE. It was amazing to see it from the other side and actually get a real understanding of a business that going through funding, working with SDRs, like mm. understanding the problems that they go through, what makes a good SDR. But I missed the feeling of when a candidate gets a job and mm. you're giving them that job offer, that like screaming excitement that they give you of like, oh my gosh, I've got the job. And then three years later, when they're a sales manager mm. of an entire sales team in London, like mm. I just feel like, you don't get that. Well, I didn't get that when someone signed a contract 
And then it was like, great, the deal's done. I was missing that like internal feeling that yeah, you sure. get of like changing someone's so life. So obviously 1UP sales, obviously we know, but obviously for the listeners, that's uh, it's basically a, a gamification software that takes data from CRM phone systems and stuff and, and basically visualizes it, tracks KPIs, incentives, all of that kind of stuff. Yes. And it, they, you, so you that SDR role was mainly focused on selling to recruitment businesses? Yes, correct. So the SDR team would focus on selling, to, well, booking meetings with the recruitment companies. And then as an AE, I was doing the demo mm-hmm. of the software, which selling something like that last year was really difficult when every, yeah. like recruitment was really hard last year. Mm. Companies didn't want to spend lots of money. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was definitely challenging mm. so was that all new business focused as well all new business focused yeah okay yeah so we know yeah that was a tough gig definitely a tough gig last year and did you had you demonstrated products or anything like that before so that was like your first your first taste of it as well. yeah and it was remote which was interesting for me so yeah. i'd started at venetrix pre-covid where we did five days in the office mm. of like you just didn't work from home it wasn't mm. even a thought that you'd asked to work from home you're just mm. in the office every day and it was my decision that, like I said, yeah, I'll be totally fine remote. And I think also that was something I did find. Do you miss that really kind of difficult. camaraderie and stuff? We've talked about that a few times on the corner from a few different types of access, from a HR point of view, from um, obviously a line manager's point of view, from an interview point of view and all this different stuff. But I think definitely we we were talking about it on on, on the way in, mm-hmm. weren't we, today? that you know, I, I feel quite fortunate that I live local to the office and I can come in and I build that camaraderie with you know staff and i've got obviously got a team that you know we all bounce off each other so i think there's a lot of benefit to that so what are you doing now are you are you part are you in the office more so than not we're hybrid so we do two or three days in the office i think i think the thing with living in london is i'm actually meant to be on the train for like eight minutes to waterloo and then the the tube for five minutes but Mm. the whole journey ends up taking like 45 minutes nearly an hour and it's that time that you can actually spend doing something else Mm. that's what frustrates me the most is if i could like fly into the office i'd go in every single day or if it was Mm. a 15 minute drive you mean you haven't got yourself a helicopter how long is this helicopter (laughs) we'll reach out Um, to james that's on that's on the list James Khan, let's get Venetrix a company helicopter. That'll be an everyday. Um, <laughs> um, but that that's all that annoys me is that yeah. if I if I have to go into the if and I like going into the office, mm. but you then you've got an hour commuting in the morning, an hour commuting after work. That's two hours that I can walk mm. the dog, go for a run, mm. go to a gym class, do something else that isn't being sat on a train. Mm. You're training for a marathon at the moment, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Which everyone on LinkedIn knows. Yeah. <laughs> not seeing you shout about it. About <laughs> so, yeah, it's important for you to find time outside of, you know, commuting to go for a run in the morning, like in the afternoon. Yeah. And um, we are super flexible yeah. as well. So uh, if you end up taking a slightly longer lunch break or mm. like as long as you make like do what is required of you. I think companies have to be now, don't they? Yeah. Right. I think do, do you find that with your clients or, as well? Do you, do you find that what the, the, the roles they're offering, because sales can be a tough gig, right? You know, it's always this, and again, we've talked about this on the corner, it's that, it's that always on kind mm-hmm. of mentality. You know, you can't really step away from sales. Like if you're going yeah. on holiday, quite often people are checking their emails and that kind of stuff. But do you, do you feel like your clients have changed a bit more of a flexible working, working setup as well? I think SAS companies are more flexible. I think they've very much got that like forward thinking mentality mm. where it's get what you need to do done and mm. it's no questions asked. But I have also heard stories where it's like you have to take a lunch break from quarter to 12 to quarter to one and that's that. Other mm. than that, you're sat at your desk mm. making this many calls in this many time blocks. Mm. So I think there's still work to be done. And I also think a lot of people do push the boundaries of that trust mm. that then ruins it for everyone else. And do you, do you find candidates who are asking more about that as well during the qualification process and stuff? How flexible are they? Yeah. Work from home? And so many like graduates now mm. are saying, I want remote working. Mm. And we're finding a lot more people that have worked in offices previously are like, no, I definitely want an office. That's a non-negotiable mm. for me. So it's interesting that I'd say like the younger generation want to be remote mm. and want that flexibility to go and work in different countries mm. but people that are my age 
want to have that office environment. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, 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 there is definitely a an age demographic where that where that varies. We've definitely seen that. We do the hybrid work stuff as well, and we find that works really well. One thing we do say is that one day a week, everyone's in the office. So yeah. on a Tuesday is our everyone in the office day. So at least there's one day where if we need to hold a company-wide meeting, we haven't mm-hmm. got people coming in remotely and stuff. Yeah. So that works quite well. Talk to us a little bit about SaaS. Obviously, software as a service, it's, it's been it's been a thing for like 25 years. Yeah. But the growth in that sector, I mean, everything's gone SaaS, you know, from... Uh, you know business to business software to consumer products yeah how have you so you joined Benetrix when initially not this time around (laughs) round two uh 2018 right okay so like nearly like five years so but a lot of companies then their tech stacks were still built on-prem a lot so I suppose then people were starting to look that SaaS is the only way is the only way forward where have you seen your clients specifically change you know perhaps the way they're delivering tech to suit that SaaS? so have you worked with clients that we used to be this now we're SaaS, so we need to build a specific team around that um probably not so much in that i think maybe because we work with a lot of companies that are so early stage they haven't had anything mm. before that Prior. I think not like we... us old dogs. We've had twenty five years old <laughs> server based. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think where the biggest difference has come from is the way that the SDRs have to sell SaaS. I think yeah. that's something that I've noticed the biggest change. That five years ago, I would be calling candidates, begging them to be like, "Come and see what an SDR role's about." And mm. ultimately, SDRs were given a list of. 600 companies they had to find all the people that worked in those companies and you just cold called Mm. whereas the biggest challenge now is you can't just bulk send out 3,000 emails there's laws in place now where Mm. you can't do that there's a lot of changes coming as well so but by the time this podcast actually goes out i think in towards the end of towards the end of feb google and yahoo obviously make some huge changes which are just going to I yeah, mean, I know a lot of recruitment businesses that are potentially going to suffer because of the way they well. because of the way they they mass market either a CV or a, a job spec or something yeah. like that. So they definitely have to change the way they they do. So where where do you see do you see SDRs that you're moving that are used to working like that that are that are going to have to change the way they they do business? Definitely, and I think SDR the SDR role now is such a like multi channel strategic job that you can't just be email-based or mm. phone-based. It has to be you're sending an email, you're sending a personalised LinkedIn message, you're mm. sending a voice note, you're making a cold call. You have to do all of it. So it's not just hiring someone that's going to come in and just be a someone on a seat sat at a desk. It's someone that is actually going to have that ability to branch out of their comfort zone think outside the box like what can I actually do Mm. to get in touch with that person Mm. Um, and I think there's going to be less of a spray and pray approach and it be a lot more strategic Mm. of having a list of x amount of businesses that you want to go after and knowing a reason why you're calling all of those companies Mm. not just pulling data off a system Mm. and then just cold calling for the sake of it and ironically there's a lot of tech around like to to you know empower people to do that you know a lot easier spe- specifically with linkedin as you have a lot of you know you, you have a lot of followers on linkedin and you know i think where where we're seeing some of the ai some of the you know AI, ai is such a broad term we see some ai that's generally just making people lazy but we see some really good sort of pieces of ai yeah uh, that we're sort of partnering with some like sourcewell and stuff where it's like that that sort of applicant outreach that automation of of, of doing that you know just to get so then is, is that something you qualify like if if let's say i was the client and i said yeah, yeah Ty, i want a couple of sdrs i need two sdrs in the next couple of months um but they need to be multi-channel is that something then you qualify with the applicant like what tools they've used you know how good are they on linkedin have they got a good following have they got a personal brand is that the kind of thing that clients look for us so i'd say there's three types of sdrs so first type is fresh out of university no experience have maybe done a placement yet year second um pool of candidate 
is where they have gone and worked in marketing or they've been an accountant for a year and they've realized that that isn't the path for them. So they've got some kind of commercial experience. And then the third one is people that have sales and SaaS sales experience. Mm. I think over the last year, year, well, definitely the last year, so many companies want people with experience, mm. which I think companies are under pressure to lower ramp times, hire someone and have them performing mm. within two months. So there's mm. just less risk associated with the placement if someone has made a cold call before, for example. Mm. It also makes it a lot easier for a company to make a judgment on whether that person is going to be good based on the questions that they're asking them. So yeah. if you're speaking to a salesperson saying like, so who's, what does your cadence look like? What's the most successful email that you send? How do you open your cold call? If they can't answer those questions, it's a bit of a, bit of a, it's red, a red flag. Yeah. So we're definitely seeing that we've had to change the way that we're interviewing people, especially with experience, mm. to ask those tailored questions around like the ideal, who's your ideal profile that you'd want to be reaching out to? What's the most mm. common objection that you face? How do you overcome that? Like actually digging into what they do mm. on a day-to-day -day basis because I think people can black a lot of things on their CVs. Nah, so actually, not, a, not, in <laughs> not, not in sales. So <laughs> getting that actual realistic what do you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, is what's really your, what does your day routine look like? Yeah. How do you structure your day? We How do you keep on top of this? Yeah. yeah, we even have candidates now that will send outreach personalised videos mm. to clients ahead of interviews to introduce themselves. So it's like the, the amount people are going above and beyond for an interview is just... So what would that look like? Oh, hi, you know, my name's Paul. I've got an interview with you next week. Just thought I'd introduce myself sort of pre-interview. Yeah, interview, something right? like that. Wanted mm. to introduce myself. Um, really excited. Let me know if there's anything I want to prepare. People even now like put together like a prospecting list of businesses that they would prospect if they were an SDR at that company and yeah, take nice. it to the interview. So a lot of companies will look at like, what's your first, you know, what's your three-month plan look like initially yeah. six-month plan etc did you think that makes your job easier when the applicants contacting your client direct or don't you like that <laughs> i think it can work in both ways sometimes it's like how am i it's ever going to find a candidate that's as good as you if yeah, they're like yeah. hiring two because someone sets the benchmark really high and then sometimes you do feel oh am i losing control because yeah. there's that relationship now between the candidate and the client and has it taken away that excitement if they start talking about logistical hmm. that i try and keep that separate that i arrange the interviews yeah so there's no like logistical conversations there hmm. um but i also think it comes down to your relationship with your clients so i now speak to a lot of my clients on slack hmm. so i add them as a team member on slack to then have that relationship with them where they can contact me i can contact them mm. and i find that that's been working really well as well to like keep that control over what's going on in the process as much as it you know it is a formal process isn't it sending people to interview but actually if you want to build that personal you know relationship then having that less formal sort of communication like a slack message or a team message or linkedin message whatever it is yeah and that's where i think you know ai shouldn't take over like that part you know because ai is taking over a lot of that automated communication but actually what we've talked about before is how that can really destroy someone's personal relationship with yeah. you know we all hate like chatbots you go onto a website and it's like chatbot pops like is this going to be a real mm. person it's just automated you know yeah I just want to speak to someone real so yeah, yeah. I mean that personal brand is is powerful. Yeah, and back on the like software side of it and overtaking things, like we use Source Whale, and I absolutely love it. I couldn't mm. do my job without it. Mm. But sometimes when you're sending that automated email, you think, is that going to stand out? And you, sometimes I do end up adding in more cadences than just what's on my Source Whale cadence because if that person's just accepted me on LinkedIn, mm. I'll then send them a message straight away rather than waiting until it comes up in my cadence on Sourcewell. So yeah. I think, again, you have to follow that cadence because it keeps you on the straight and narrow. But mm. again, you still have to go above and beyond to stand out from the technology that everyone's using. Yeah, I think from a hiring manager's point of view, they're so obvious, those that are like automated. Yeah. And it's like you, as soon as you click accept on the thing, it's like, ding, and you're like, yeah. oh, you read the message, Pitch. it's like... 
this is yeah no ign ignore um and I'm, now i kind of I, I seem to be just ignoring more or yeah. like not or declining like requests because i think if it's a lead generation company or something like that, I know what's coming. Like, what's the point? Oh, yeah. do it every day. Obviously, the SaaS, the SaaS industry has grown massively. I think it's projected to hit 230 billion by the end of 2024. So it's a really good sort of industry, obviously, to to be in. And yeah. I think what you were saying a minute ago as well is, you know, what clients look for the, to people to hit the ground running. I assume that's why you joined one up sales as well because you knew the recruitment industry right you had that recruitment experience and that's typically what we would look for as well we would look for someone that understands the recruitment process uh, yeah and you know depending on what level we you know we, we might look for someone that's been in temp recruitment for a few years so that's a bit more hardcore mm -hmm. spitting sawdust than someone that's done it perm for example yeah it did did you did you feel like I know it was only a short stint you did there and I don't want to I don't want to focus it <laughs> but did you feel that really helped you obviously understanding your clients and did you feel like the clients bought into you a bit more as well because you would you like, I've been where you are that kind of yeah thing. I thought like it helped me so much mm. um and I even when I left one up I did a recorded zoom call with the ceo there to go through some recruitment terms to help sdrs that they hire that haven't worked in recruitment so i just think it's sometimes the lingo mm. and the pain that managers go through of like managing a team how do you track those kpis which one up helps businesses to do so yeah it definitely helped me from working in recruitment and being able to actually empathize so i think like if i'd gone and sold a uh, fintech solution to cfos yeah i'm not a cfo and yeah, i never yeah, will yeah. be so yeah, i think sure. i really struggle to get behind that but yeah. so, some people can just pick those things up they learn that lingo they fully throw themselves into it and understand that pain mm. but i think i have to like live through it to then be able <laughs> to resonate with it yeah i think it definitely helps i mean what we've seen is you know people we take on with that either even a year's experience or yeah. seven months experience in recruitment they might have had some really basic training but they understand like the basic applicant journey company client journey you know creating a job making a placement yeah. terms and conditions rebate fees all of that kind of stuff so to, i see personally quite a lot of companies that struggle to sort of attract mm -hmm. the right uh, sort of type of applicant if you like or, or candidate to their business tell us about some of the challenges some of your clients are facing in either attracting uh, candidates or um, getting them through the process of interview or, or matching their requirements yeah so I think one of the biggest challenges at the moment and especially from the start of January has been there are more jobs on the market mm. so what a company is actually doing to stand out and um, the biggest challenge that we always find is finding absolute superstars for these businesses mm. but now there are less superstars than there are opportunities so what a company's doing to actually make themselves stand out in those processes. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is the interview process that the company is running can also either make them shine or can be a reason why a company doesn't join. So a, a reason why a candidate doesn't join the company mm -hmm. of the either the process goes on for too long, they're not meeting enough like critical people in the business that are giving them a good idea of what it would be like to work there. The other thing that I think is having a problem of like that onboarding stage. So once they've actually hired them is the hybrid working, the remote working, because we all started our careers in the office. I sat next to my CEO every single day for the first year, which was terrifying. <laughs> Learned a lot though. You must. <laughs> but that is where you learn. And I yeah, think yeah. even now in the office, you hear everyone on the phone. You pick up a one liner from one person, even people that have been there for two weeks. You're like, oh, that sounded really good mm. and i i think that is what these entry-level people sales people recruitment people are missing when they think oh no i need to work from home mm. need my well-being yes it is important but you're not learning like you would in the office and i think that is what companies are struggling with that then people aren't being rank ramped up on time and there's that it's like it's taking everyone much longer to actually learn so so do you find that the client the client demand is that perhaps they want a grad but they want someone that's willing to come into the office and perhaps you're talking to grads and they're like why do i want to go into the office i've got all these other opportunities that are full remote 
working. Yeah. And then I think you get into a conversation where it's like X company are letting me work remote Mm. and they're paying me 30k and Mm. then X company want me to go into the office three days a week, which is 32k, which is going to cost me X amount a year to get into the office, etc. I've got a dog. I need the dog to go to dog care and all of those added costs. And then you're Mm. getting into a very like logistical conversation where you're aligning priorities of what is important to you in this job search is it having a remote opportunity or is it about going on a journey with a company to help them become a unicorn so i think Mm. it also then differentiates the candidates of do you just want a job that's remote Mm. to do the job or do you actually want to join that company because they're in that sector that's growing x amount every single month year mm. and you want to be that S- that founding member sdr that goes on that journey so yeah. i think it helps you to understand more about that candidate and like what they're what they're looking for and also like what's going to be right for your client as well yeah and i suppose it's then just you know from from the recruiter's point of view it's actually we don't think you're right for this company yeah because actually they're looking for someone to immerse themselves in their culture you know, be in the office, bounce off people, not just be an SDR, actually. Yeah. Get yourself involved and, you know, learn the product well, work with the product development team, have your input in all of this kind of stuff, you know, care about uh, customer success even. Yeah, you know, Because exactly. if you can prove yourself to be that person that is, you know, you just become more valuable and you become more rounded as an individual. And I think sitting behind a screen as an SDR and it's like I've got my call list I've got my LinkedIn I've got I mean obviously it's not one screen now is it multiple screens (laughs) but um and then you're just sort of full remote that that's really I think that's really difficult um you know for training I mean there's come up sort of quite a lot as well you know how do we train a new starter Mm -hmm. um I think I would struggle with both training uh and managing someone full remote Mm -hmm. so when we talk to you about recruitment after this <laughs> what we're looking for that wouldn't be something high on high on my agenda yeah and and i think you have to be so transparent about that from the beginning yeah if you we have companies that say oh yeah they can work from home a couple of days but actually once you say that to someone that goes into like that's their expectation so when you start moving the goalposts of no actually you can only work from home on a friday for the first month yeah it and starts to annoy people and i think you lose that transparency so it needs to be like this is how we do it this Mm. is what we do and like if you join the business this is how it's going to work and you can't move those goalposts it would have to be like we come into the office five days a week four days a week and your 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 clients must have must have changed their view on that more so recently because you know you you know we go back two years it was like it was acceptable for everyone to be full remote yeah. all the time because <laughs> bloody COVID. I mean, I, I, we try not to mention it every episode, but it is the kind of cause of that stuff. Have you seen your clients change things throughout the process as well? So what? maybe it was a longer process than intended, but is it the kind of thing that actually, hang on, you said they could work from home two days a week. Now, all of a sudden, your policy's changed and it's one day a week or anything like that? Yeah, so we went to, well, I wasn't there, but two members of my team went to Sastock in Dublin um at the end of last year and they said the most common thing that everyone was talking about was everyone going back into the office three four days a week Mm. and i think i guess we aren't as connect like the can the clients aren't changing it through the interview process for the candidate so the candidates are already like fully immersed in the business whilst Mm. this change is going on um but i think people do seem to be well up for it in London there's that culture of going out for drinks after work you've got team lunches lots of companies now link it to incentives so if you have booked x amount of meetings on Monday and Tuesday you get a free breakfast on Wednesday in the office so Mm. I think people are trying to make that environment that people do then want to come into the office but I think it is hard if you've set that rule Mm. but people are in that routine and people's lives have changed since covid um of then having to like backtrack of like no actually we do need you in the office four days a week and Mm. this is how this is going to work now so uh, we do get people reaching out to us being like my company have changed how this works i want 
a remote role now yeah for example i think what one of you know from our own experience one of the thing that really benefited us getting people back in into the office was sort of being transparent with the benefits like why yeah why it's important for us to have people in the office and where we feel like the benefits are where you know and back that up with data as well yeah you know is always good so if you're talking to clients it's like okay this these candidates are now questioning why you want us into the office because it's not going to be long in my view where companies are going to say actually five days a week yes yeah. you know it, it it's coming i think a lot of the sort of big financial you know the the, the financial industry insurance industry are all going that way yeah. already so the rest will follow i think depending on the company culture and lifestyle and how corporate they are but most corporate businesses i think would be back back in the office five days a week yeah. or in in terms of skills, obviously SaaS is evolving, skills are evolving, technology is evolving all the time. What are the kind of things you're, you know, I want you to share some secrets now. What, <laughs> what, 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 what are the tips. things? Yeah, what are the what are the things that clients are looking for? You know, most from a from a skill set, is it more sort of you know, I suppose from an SDR point of view, you've obviously got to be personable, about brand and that kind of stuff. But in terms of tech, I suppose it in particular. Is there any particular skills that they're they're looking for? Is there a, a big demanding anything in particular at the moment? So I think one thing that I I think sales and recruitment is really really difficult. So we can generalize this between SDRs, sales, yeah. uh, recruitment. The one of the most important things that I look for is have they ever done something that's been challenging? They've then failed at it, but they've kept on doing it. Hmm. So have they done sport, played football, broken their leg? made a comeback from it doesn't have they learned a musical instrument or something that is difficult that isn't just going to university and mm. getting through it and coming out the other side does a recorder count as terms of music it's challenging <laughs> it's challenging i think it's more challenging for everyone else to have Don't to listen, listen to the recorder <laughs> yeah. um but the the thing with doing a sales role mm. when you haven't done it before is the level of rejection and the amount of rejection you get is mm. savage and mm people not answering people not turning up to demos that you've booked of it is a really difficult job to do so if you've mm. never done anything in your life where you've faced that rejection and struggled with something but kept on going mm. how do you even know this is going to be right for you so that's one thing that we always look for resilience number one try not to use that word because i just feel like it is such a generic word that everyone uses but okay I do. It is. It is, it is resilience. Yeah. I think the other thing is discipline. So mm. I always really like to understand what people's days, how they like structure their days and their weeks. So mm. if people are like, oh, I just like wake up at nine, I start work at nine fifteen, I just roll out of bed. Is there's nothing wrong with that? Mm. But is that showing much discipline? Is that person going to come into your business and have a day plan ready by? 8 30 mm. even though they don't start work till 9 30 and like are they actually mentally thinking about what that day is going to bring for them mm. what challenges they're going to be thrown and like what they actually want to achieve or are they just doing this job because their friend does this job and they also mm. want to get paid that amount of money yeah the basic salary is all right i can live on that that's that's fine yeah that's so right. like what is that actual um motivation mm. Then the third thing that I think is really important is the rapport building side of it. So when I'm speaking to a candidate, can I imagine myself like going for a drink mm. with that person on a Thursday after work? Like, would I actually want to spend time with them? Would a client want to sit next to them at the Christmas party? Mm. Because when these companies are so small and the SDR is going to be forming that culture for the whole business, they can't hold a conversation. One, they're not going to be able to hold one internally, but mm. they also can't hold it with a prospect. Mm. So I'd say like those are the three main things that I look for. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like you say, especially in small businesses, I mean, we've we've seen that that pers that personality fit is yeah. is really important. And like you said, if they're if if you don't like have some conversation with the way you felt, or you, they, they they come across as awkward, yeah, you know you don't want that. Well, I don't want that represent that person representing our business and and our company. Um, how do you feel candidates can prove those skills? Obviously, you can ask them the question, but like you said, there's a lot of blagging in the industry, right? So how yes. can they how how can they how can they get that to come across it in an interview? And I, what would the difference be? Because a lot of interviews we've talked about might be remote initially 
yeah how, how can they make their personal you know their personality come across so i definitely think there's you can tell when someone is committed to a process so quite often when we're dealing with vps of sales cro's um ceos of these businesses that are having meetings with investors they're so busy mm. they're not going to have eight different interview times for two candidates mm. to come and meet them so sometimes we only have two times and the candidate has to make that time work mm. with that business so i think that commitment to the process does show you how serious that candidate is about that job and sometimes there are going to be times where they can't make something work but if you are trying to arrange an interview and someone doesn't reply to you for eight hours and they vanished off the face of the earth and then they come back to you like oh sorry i was doing x mm. um yes i can i can't do that time can you get me another time mm. it's not giving off that feeling of you're taking this job search really seriously mm. and you want this job so i think like that side from a like commitment making things happen people are going seriously above and beyond for interviews now so i've had candidates put together prospecting lists of businesses that they would prospect if they got through to what well, they got the job at that company i've had people put together personalized email videos introducing themselves to a business ahead of an interview and those are always the candidates that mm. end up getting the job they're, they're just, just making themselves stand out aren't they and i'd love that by the way if anyone is personalized video it's, it's also showing the company that like that's what you would do mm. to a prospect like how are you making that interviewer feel mm. in that interview process because they're busy you're busy it is a two-way street mm. but if you make that interviewer feel like wow you are investing so much time in this mm. gonna make them think that's what you're gonna do to their prospects as well mm. which is exactly what they want so i think you cannot go into interviews anymore just turn up and think you can blag it mm. you have to go in like showing you've got something you mean you can't just look at the website on the train on the way I'm in just, and just <laughs> i remember those high level stats for, yeah for that check them out on linkedin for 20 minutes before we, we we've we've said the same as well in terms of people that are trying to be, you know bd us or, or cold call us or whatever you know if they haven't gone to the effort of finding who the person they need to speak to or what it, yeah. it is we actually do why am i going to trust you to go and generate leads for us or yeah. whatever you know it's a terrible way to start yeah and like we've even had candidates that like will find their the the prospect's mobile well the interviewer's mobile number and then we'll cold call them ahead of the interview saying like just wanted to cold call you really excited to meet you anything you want me to prepare for the interview like let me know and where like, did you get this number <laughs> well that's what they're like did you give them my number um no but that's they, how good they it love is. it they're like wow that person is trying to do something to make themselves yeah. stand out yeah and do you do you as a as a business do you tend to try and encourage people to do that or do you just kind of let the cream rise to the top type you know type story i think what we have actually been reflecting on it recently is that it's really important to give people feedback through the interview process but ultimately mm. if you are coaching them to the extent that you are spending hours and hours and hours coaching this person to do a task or you've told them to send a personalized video if that's not what they're like as a person you don't want to they're yeah. not gonna they're not actually gonna last in the job mm. um so to an extent we will if a candidate's been given a task will look at the task once they've done it mm. and could say like oh maybe add a logo here for example but i think it's the candidates that do it off their own back mm. um that oh. actually are the ones that get the job i assume that might be the grads you help more so than perhaps someone going for a more yeah. senior position because they should know, they should obviously know better. you'd hope they can yeah. put together a cadence but i think also if you are if i say like oh a previous candidate um sent an email video and that went down really well if the candidate's like oh no i don't want to do that there's no point forcing someone to no. to do that because that's obviously not what they're like well, especially as a know, real that, candidate that, that's what's going to make them stand out in the process and that's what the client wants yeah fair enough you might have another client that's not perhaps getting as much interest from applicants and it might just be the case oh why don't you apply to this company might be better better suited I guess. yes definitely yeah. and i think also being really trans if you've explained 
what the market looks like. So I quite often show different people's LinkedIn profiles of mm. look at this person, look what they're posting about. If the cogs aren't turning of like, wow, social selling something that I should think about doing. Mm. It's again, like how much are they, how seriously are they taking this job search? And are they trying to stand out from the 400 other people that have applied to this job? Yeah. It leads us on to the next question, actually, in, t in terms of um, retention. So, you know, what, we see on LinkedIn quite a lot actually is, yeah you know we'll see these big announcements that so-and-so's joined this company or, or they've moved from so-and-so to go to I won't mention names because I don't want to upset anyone we're so-and-so <laughs> to so-and-so and then six months down the line it's like oh I'm leaving I'm not digging you out the one that sounds good because I understand that but partic particularly in you know recruitment software sectors it is is quite rife for it in terms yeah. of people move and they move a lot um, you know, and it might be, oh, they've gone over here and then six months later, oh, actually, I've gone to join this place now. Yeah. And throughout their career, I've seen I've seen individuals represent five, six different recruitment CRMs. And it's like, how can you hold credibility in front of the same people one minute you're saying, oh, this is the best software. And then you're cold calling them three months later to say, no, this is the best <laughs> software. It's like, well, ha hang on a sec, so-and-so. You, you told me it was that. How, how can how can companies I, I appreciate people will change jobs of course they yeah. do I mean I'm not a good example of that I'm part of the furniture here <laughs> I've got per, you know there's personal reasons behind that um, I need structure in my life I don't like change <laughs> um, but how can businesses ensure that they're retaining once you've found that great SDR you know they're obviously high in demand at the moment mm -hmm. if, if someone headhunts them out of a role or they get approached on LinkedIn how can how can companies try and retain that that talent within their business so uh, this is something that I was actually talking about in the office yesterday because I've won a client from LinkedIn and they when they go to offer the candidate the job I usually I do all the offers for all my clients but they actually do the offer where they do an entire presentation that walks the candidate through the journey of the company, the part that this person's going, well, that SDR is going to play in the business. What's it going to look like? Every single candidate gets shares that are decided by the CEO. Yeah. And I actually think it, well, we haven't had a job offer, touch word, rejected yet from this company. And I think it's because the candidates feel so invested in that journey. Mm. So, uh, I think some companies hire an SDR and there isn't actually a need for an SDR. It just feels like a tick box exercise of, oh, everyone else is doing it. We should also do it. So I think you've got to have that reason of like, why do we actually need an SDR? Have we worked out what our total addressable market is? Do we know exactly what our ICP is of mm. what this SDR should be going after? Because if you hire someone and there isn't that structure for them internally, they're going to be searching for that structure because they're not going to be feeling successful. Mm. There also isn't going to be that clear progression path. So having that plan for that SDR of, right, in six months' time, we want you to have booked 14 meetings that have qualified. If you have done that, you then become a senior BDR. Mm. Once you have then booked another 46 meetings that then qualify, you then become a junior AE. Mm -hmm. But in that time of being a senior BDR, you will get to close some of the smaller deals, for example, that that progression plan is then laid out so transparently for them. I think where I've seen people and people have contacted me is when there uh, some SaaS companies make SDRs interview for an AE job. So it doesn't matter how many meetings they've booked, they can only move into an AE role when a vacancy opens up so another AE leaves. It creates that feeling of uncertainty. Like some yeah, yeah. those people don't want to be an SDR or a BDR for the rest of their lives. They want to do it for 12 to 18 months and then be able to move through. But I think the main reason why people leave is there isn't that clear path to of progression for them to be able to get to. And there like, isn't that transparency of what are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis and where's that helping the company get to? And you must, you must get a lot of satisfaction placing somebody in that SDR role and seeing them smash oh my God, their way it's through the that. the best feeling. Yeah. Um, career path, yeah. Ever. And like, I'm, so, I'm friends with so many of my candidates and mm. you see them get these promotions, you bump into them like in the pub on a Friday and you're like, oh my gosh, I 
helped you when you graduated from university five years ago and you're now sales manager Mm. at a SaaS business that's just raised 55 million in Mm. Series C funding. Like, it is unbelievable. But I I definitely think it's that progression that keeps people, or just people get bored, don't they, if there isn't that that net goal. Yeah, I think it's that, you know, what we find is that ongoing support, that ongoing training, encourage them to sort of be better, encourage them to learn new things or or be progressive, um, which I think, again, it, it's quite obvious to to pick up on someone that wants that. And like you, even like something you said earlier in terms of, are they just rolling out of bed and getting online at nine o'clock? Or yeah. actually, this person's motivated. They're getting up at six. They're going to the gym for an hour and then they're sort of walking the dog. And they're getting stuff done before yeah. their day starts. And I think that is important because it takes me a long time to wake up, actually. I couldn't, I couldn't wake up like 20 minutes before I needed to be online and just start working. I need a good... You know, I need a session in the gym. I need to take the kids to school, whatever it yeah. be that morning, depending on what day it is. We always find that keeping, like you said, keeping people engaged and actually giving them career path, giving them motivation to learn new things and encouraging that. And I think that's the business, you know, it's the business and the brand's responsibility, but also line managers start play a massive part in that. Dash checking in with them regularly. Um, and again, hop back to it, but that, it's so much easier if they're in the office. A hundred percent. And I think com- when I look at companies that have been able to retain their staff, it is those companies that have the massive office in London. There's all of the team are in there four days a week. And there is that culture and that atmosphere because you pick each other up when it does get really tough. But also I think it's so inspiring mm. being surrounded by high performers that are doing well, that it makes you want to get to that stage that they've got to so i think yeah i definitely think being in the office helps it people don't enjoy doing like people want to be doing training in person where it's fun it's collaborative Mm. you're doing a cold calling session but you're next to your best friend at work it just makes it a nicer environment yeah a bit of banter banter. banter. what do you see customers doing in 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 terms of like external factors because sales is a tough gig and there's a lot that could go on politically you know economically to impact people's buying habits and you know what we said you know previously is you know things like covid brexit wars in ukraine yeah some clients will be like we're not investing in tech and we've seen you know sales go from up here to you know have a massive fall off when there's been pandemics or yeah whatever how how do you think companies are dealing with that and do that is there much understanding because we, we've seen some companies be quite brutal not hit target off you go they could be good talent but they're just having a bit of a hard time how, how do you feel like clients are handling that so i think i think companies are definitely being more cautious so typically we've used to find most businesses would hire two sdrs mm. at a time you board them together they ramp up together and if one of them doesn't work out you've still got one um now people are only really taking the risk on one. So we're seeing a lot more when we're winning business, it is just for one SDR. Whereas we used to be like, right, we want five SDRs to all start together at a month's time. So I think that's um, happening. Maybe that could also be from a standpoint of that they don't have enough resources to be able to invest and train someone up. That is it, is the SDR manager also still doing an SDR job with a quota that could also I mean it's all hands on deck now Um, so that could also be a factor I think it's a difficult one I don't know how many people are you haven't hit target let go but I think it's when I speak to clients about the attitude of the candidate I have heard of people being let go because like they're doing other tasks and they won't pick up the phone Whereas I think if you've got that attitude of you're still really, really trying, mm. but you're going to take a bit longer, then you're given a bit more of a chance. Bit I think chance, it's more yeah. when you're like, oh, I'm just going to send some emails before I make any cold yeah. calls. And you're putting off that. I mean, the best way to book a meeting is picking up the phone. Yeah. If you're, you're not doing that, then I think that's where there's the problem. But I think that's something you can't change in a person. Mm. Whereas if someone is really, really trying at least there is that coachability factor. Yeah. 
And if they're like if they're motivated, like we said earlier, to do that, yeah, then that's that's easier, and that'd be pretty harsh, I guess. If so, useful, someone was knocking their pan out, working like hundred ten percent, yeah, <laughs> just that. Sorry, you didn't hit quota this much. <laughs> you got to go. But we do we do see companies doing it. Um, interesting what you said about the sort of reduction in sort of SDR. So again, something we've seen a lot when some of these tech companies take funding. Yeah, it's like right. Now we need to sell more, so we're going to take on yeah of SDRs. I, I think a lot of lot of the time people do that because it's like right, we're going to. It will take us the same amount of time to train one person as 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 it does five. Yeah, um, more sales people, more sales. Now that's not always the case. And that's the thing, and a lot of companies now, um, well, a lot of people think the AE role is now going to go into a full sales cycle role so some companies have actually just got rid of the sdr division and the aes are now doing all of their prospecting all of their booking meetings and then closing the deal because some enterprise companies found that with it being such a long sales cycle the sdrs didn't fully understand the technology enough to be booking good enough meetings so it was actually then they got rid of the sdr function and now the AEs do all of their own self-sourcing mm. and booking of their own meetings. So that is another take that some companies have taken of... It's kind of where we're at. And it, and we did that because of because of COVID and because the industry yeah. was changing and because we knew these AEs were... And they had the ability, because they've come from sort of SDRs a lot of the time yeah. as well, they know how to do it. And they've got now got years of experience under their belt in terms of product, in terms of industry knowledge. Yeah. And bringing an SDR in with little to no experience actually can, you know, prohibit that, you know, that client journey, that uh, buying journey. Definitely. And we've also, I've also had companies that are now making the SDR do the wholesale cycle as well. So mm -hmm. the SDR goes to all of the meetings. They actually control, like they do the first meeting with the AE on the call but they lead it right. and the AE gives them specific coaching and training like they very much like work together so I think it also depends on the strategy that of the SDR to AE relationship is it a one-to-one -one relationship mm. is it that the SDRs booking meetings for eight AEs and it's just done on a round robin with no personalization so I think if it's that one-to-one it's a lot easier for the AE to then coach the SDR mm. of like, right, let's go after these businesses together. How are we going to work this out together? Mm. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense, to be honest. In terms of future trends or shifts, um, do you sort of see anything or is there any of your clients talking about anything on the horizon that you feel like is going to make a big change? We've obviously already talked to death about sort of remote working. <laughs> <laughs> we think that's going to be a change. Do you see any any sort of other changes? It could just be a no. I think it is like the year of the, well, the rise of the LinkedIn influencer. Mm -hmm. um, I just... Great time I, for you. Well, I've already risen. <laughs> oh, no, 2.2 million impressions. Yes, in, in the, the last, last year, year, which is amazing. Really but impressive. I do think one of the things that I love the most about LinkedIn is when I see people that have, got a SDR role and then they are posting every single day building their brand they're commenting um they're sharing useful information and it is a daunting place when you do a post and you think oh my gosh I haven't got any likes mm. um but I I just think people that actually put themselves out there and start doing that will do really really well and I think even if they got made redundant because of another COVID situation and what they were selling yeah. There was no need for it. They've got that brand to be able to support them to be able to get another job. So yeah. I definitely think that's going to be a huge thing. And I think cold calling is coming back. Yeah, um, so do I. I think everyone will start picking up the phone a lot more yeah. um, and just using it to aid all of the other channels. I would have thought that like I know. five years ago. It's like cold calling's dead. And it's like, it's really not it's now. Not. And it did die off for a bit because people just didn't like the amount of calls it's just going to go like that. Yeah. I, more, I, more people are going to start cold calling. The less emails and inboxes that people are going to receive, then people are going to get peed off with getting too many calls. Yeah. And then it's going to go back to things. So I think that's always going to be a bit of a an up and down trend until the telephone dies, I guess. I yeah. Guess, you know, but I think if you use them in, in a 
the call and the email and you actually really get that yeah. right and i think that's what it's going to be this like multi-channel approach I don't think you'll be able to just get away with cold calling or mm. just get away with email or LinkedIn I think it's being able to use all of those, all of those channels yeah all the same channels. and this is where you know to me I head up sales and marketing here because they're so intertwined you know it's both multi-channel outreach to yeah. prospects and it's whether that's content based or SDR or, or you know cold calling based it's use all of these things that we have to get our message out and get those people to to look at us and yeah. let's get a couple of influencers on the podcast to help us get, yeah. out of it, but to get I, that reach. I also think it's like small things of I now use the bell button on LinkedIn to get a notification when certain people post that I'm really trying to get in touch with that mm. I can't or won't respond to me. Mm. But then like every time they do a post, I can like and comment on it because doing that does make people feel good but then yeah. they're just they're getting noticed they're getting noticed yeah. well you're getting noticed they're gonna start having that relationship so yeah. yeah i think i think those are my like trends that i think will happen this year yeah 100 percent. i i totally agree with that and i think where we're seeing you know technology will always back that up as well so what yeah. we're seeing now as well in you know specifically specifically in our sector is new the, you know the ai tech is now evolving around more telephone based yeah. so obviously started off you know you had to stand a sort of document parsing and your 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 language models you know we've just integrated with a company called squire uh, and what they do now is they take a transcribed call um and they will basically split that data out you know so if you're having a really decent telephone conversation with someone it's looking at the tone of that and it's looking at how things are discussed yeah. and it's spitting that out into your CRM. So it's automatically helping you. So if you're talking to an applicant about, you know, qualifying them around their salary expectations, their uh, preferences in terms of remote working, yeah. hybrid working, all that kind of stuff, you then as a as a recruiter, or if this is a resource of doing it, haven't got to go and bang all those notes in, yeah. or it's not just lost in a comment, it's yeah. actually put in specific fields within the CRM That's so really spe yeah. it's really speeding up you know time you know, yeah. admin time for users which is where you know if AI can bring that sort of support for the, for the role so it's not yeah. like you're still having that personal touch point but actually AI in the background is doing all that donkey work for you in terms of yeah you know and then you couple that with like good CV parsing yeah so it's just so it's displaying you know from a any sales role yeah, uh, you know the worst part of it generally is put your comments. On the yeah, CRM but no one, no one ever does that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I really hope that businesses don't try and replace salespeople with AI, and it mm. is really used to aid people and what they're doing to make their lives easier. I don't think it will happen, but I think what we will see is perhaps some teams that are this big at the moment just yeah. of a sudden go to that. Because actually, we now don't need fifty people. Because what we've done is our top twenty people are now freed up, yeah, to do a little bit more. Uh, and if those people are the ones we were talking about earlier that are up at six o'clock in the morning, got to get up at six. They're motivated. They're motivated. <laughs> someone's motivated to do that extra. That's extra money. Yeah. We'll do the extra work for extra money. Definitely. And I also think post-COVID, well, I think in COVID, some businesses were lucky and did really, really well. And actually, mm. it's when everyone's like, oh, the market's... And I know I said it earlier, but like, oh, the market was tough for recruitment last year. Like, it, that is just life. And I think people mm. that are like, oh, I didn't hit my target because the market was really tough. Mm. That's not an excuse. Like, it is tough for everyone. But like, people are doing it. So... yeah what are you doing to make that happen so i think it's like i think some people will also drop out of sales who realize that oh it was fine in covid and it was easy and it was remote and it was a bit of a boom yeah there was a boom and yeah. you were like riding the wave of luck but actually this is reality like it is a savage hard job mm. and like unless you're well up for it and doing going above and beyond mm. to make it work like you are going to be gone mm whether that's your decision or the company's decision. I think a lot of that, you know, having worked here for so long and working with obviously sales, marketing, customer success, but also product development, R&D, mm -hmm. you know, what 
what we will always look at is you know how well are we closing business yeah but also why are we losing business in terms of either clients you know or prospects that you know we get right to the end and then actually no we've lost it because of this now if that reason is just price or they weren't closed well big red flag yeah for the salesperson but actually if it's they specifically went with this bit of tech because they offered this bit of functionality and actually that helps us then drive that roadmap yeah so it's really important for us to capture all of that data the whole way through the process from the initial qualification call right through to to obviously trying to trying to close the business and thereafter you know we're constantly gathering data from clients about what they want to see coming in and again that voice um transcriber that i was just talking about yeah come because clients were demanding it and yeah it's like we found this app can you look at integrating with it um so i think as long as they're you know for sales people that are in a position where perhaps they're losing business actually they're backing it up with data well here's why it's not just lost because oh, i couldn't get hold of them mm-hmm. all right if they couldn't get hold of them and they can prove that i sent them 20 emails, yeah found his personal mobile number went to his house and then, then fair enough but but you know okay that's interesting i just want to talk to you lastly because i pre- appreciate your you know very busy so i don't want to keep you too much longer um obviously you're a key marathon runner lisbon Yes, you've got London this year. London, well. April. Yeah, which is, yeah, I can do a marathon. I'm not built for running. I've done, <laughs> I've done a few 5Ks. I've done a couple of tough mudders, but but yeah, marathons, no chance. Or I'll be tough mudders, tough. Yeah, it's tough, but it's, it, it's not just about the running. It, yeah, well, I'm sorry. When we did it, I was not climbing over those like vertical walls. So yeah, yeah, I I couldn't. You know, be running now is just I'm I'm just too heavy food. I can't so. It's very admirable that you do these marathons. What do you see in terms of marathon running, I suppose? How has that influenced your approach to talent acquisition? You've already actually mentioned some of this in terms of, you know, if someone's motivated to get up. I don't know, we joked a little bit about it, but in terms of building relationships within tech startups and mm. things like that, is it, how, is, how do you feel marathon runners running? My little, uh, how's it kept you? My cult of marathon runners yeah. in the South World. <laughs> yeah, so I think it for me, it's like it is a discipline mindset thing that I will. The last thing I do at night is check my emails, check LinkedIn. It's the first thing I look at in the morning, and when I go for that run, no one can contact me. Um, or like if I've done a cold calling session before and then go for a run, he's then got your phone ringing whilst you're running, but it more or less it's that time when no one can get a hold of me i can't check my phone while i'm running Mm. and it is that time to switch off which i do need because i am a control freak i don't like doing handovers and anyone like taking over Mm -hmm. my stuff even when i go away i do think it's great for rapport building i post about it loads on linkedin and when i jump on calls with clients i mean they mention it my clients sponsor me for like when i'm doing runs and stuff so it definitely helps in that rapport building, but I definitely think it's a mental mindset thing for me of just being able to switch off and not think about, well, I do usually think about work, but mm. just not actually having to proactively do anything, just step away from the desk and take half an hour, an hour yeah. to just like process what's going on. So I definitely find it really useful from that side. But yeah, it's it's a... Even though some people hate it, it is good. Poor Bill, but people love that sort of stuff on LinkedIn as well. You know, if you're ever struggling for content, pick I, yourself up. Well, we um, thumper, uh, thumper does really well. We did a, <laughs> um, a picture. It should be fine. We did a, We were like analysing what LinkedIn content did really well yeah. over the quarter, and all of the photos were outside and running and I was like I can't keep posting running content I was like people must think I'm the most annoying person in the world um because and I do think it is annoying that if you've you sometimes when my alarm goes off you are just like do I have to get up and then you see on LinkedIn that someone's like I've run 500 kilometers before work this morning and you're like Mm. like shut up so I think there is you do have to take it with a pinch of salt on LinkedIn and like obviously when I'm posting like oh I've done 19 kilometers before work well I've probably got back from the run the dog's like done a poo on the floor do you know what I mean like it's not all that perfect and no it I think sometimes like LinkedIn is being seen of oh my gosh your life is perfect you were able to do that before work like how do you get up that early Mm. you've won so many so much business that people do only shout about 
the good things and i think it's really important to remember that like it, it is maybe, hard out maybe there. you should break that stigma maybe i want to see the next one <laughs> Me big, big sweaty mess yeah. <laughs> um, but i was someone reached out to me on linkedin and was asking for some advice about breaking into america and we jumped on a call and i was like yeah like it's really really hard and he was like i'm really surprised that you said that because i think on linkedin you have this like aura that like yeah. you it is just perfect and i was like oh my god no like it's it's far from it so i think that is something that everyone does just shout about like oh i've been on a run i've done this i've done that and actually like everyone is dealing with other stuff that isn't like it's like instagram it's not like your perfect life on linkedin yeah and it is quite you know it's quite controversial that i mean i'm I wouldn't say I'm old school, but I I don't like putting my personal life on LinkedIn. Yeah, just because I like keeping that my family separate. You know, yeah. I put a picture of my children on LinkedIn or the Sunday football team <laughs> that I coach on LinkedIn. Yeah, whatever. and there might be a couple of you know sort of wins I put on there. You know, in, in, in my personal life, but never that. But it, it does annoy me. Like I posted, I posted the cut. I'm I'm not a a regular poster on LinkedIn by any means. So I try and post a couple of times a week and I'm yeah. in my calendars. Or it's quite regular. Yeah, it, I guess. But, you know, I see some people obviously two, three times a day. Yeah. Like, oh God, you know, I wish I had that time or that, you know, I need to think about what I need to post. Mm. Um, but where, where, you know, what annoyed me a bit last week, I put two posts out. One was about salt gritter. <laughs> it was just a oh, bit went viral on impressions, and the other one was about AI in yeah in recruitment, and it was you know a snippet of of the podcast with you know a separate guest, and yeah, the salt grit did better, and I'm like, oh, LinkedIn, they I both know. did okay actually. I was I was pleased with the amount of impressions I got on both, but I just knew the salt gritter would get more yeah than you know, and like like I said, everyone loves a, a picture um, of a dog, a th- picture of a dog, running, yeah. The other one that and uh, this is also like I guess with about like the highs and lows of life with posting is whenever I've done a post around like, oh, I'm struggling with cold calling this week or something of like, not that life is all good. They've also done really well. So I think it's like that vulnerability piece as well is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, best of luck with the London Mac. Thank you. Um, send us a link to your sponsor page and we'll stick it in there. <laughs> Plug. We'll, we'll stick it in the, uh, in the, in the description. Big thanks to Tara for coming on. Guys, hope you've enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, turn on your alerts so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much.